All right, folks, welcome back to the Men's Basketball Show here, episode 10. And we'll start things off here real quickly. As always, the show is presented by Hot Table Panini. It's located on Route 9 in Hadley. It has been serving the Pioneer Valley since 2007. Customers can try out the Cranberry Turkey Club, Pumpkin Bisque, or Harvest Salad for a limited time only. Along with the Hadley location, Hot Table has seven other stores, including two Springfield locations and two locations in Connecticut. They are open 11 to 8, Monday through Saturday. They look forward to continuing their service of the Amherst community with specialty paninis hot off the press. More information is available at hottable.com. Love Hot Table. Appreciate everything they do for us. But we've got a very important episode today, so I want to get things rolling along here. Uh, a, a couple guests on board. The usual Devin Dobick and Joey Alberti are here, uh, but another one that is always uh, we're very fortunate to have on. Curry Hicks Sage rejoins the show here for episode 10 as we get a lot of news surrounding UMass basketball. And like I say, we're just going to go right into it. Uh, of course, we see today an announcement from the team. They are going to be pausing activity due to a positive case of coronavirus within uh, the team structure. It is not said whether it's a player or a coach, just as a tier one personnel. So you have to think that somebody uh, in close to the team, along with UMass getting their season paused, a few of their opponents that they were getting ready to play at this Bubbleville tournament next week, actually, uh, also paused some of their activities. So Delaware, Siena, and Iona are some of those teams. We're seeing teams up and down the college landscape continue to pause. I think we've had 30-plus teams already pause their activities. So, Sage, you obviously follow UMass basketball. You've been following them for a long time. You've been a fan your whole life. Uh, I'm wondering if I could just get your general reactions to uh, the news today. Yeah, so I'll give you a little scoop is that uh, we had McCall on last night on our podcast for like an hour and 40 minutes and it was supposed to come out later today. And we ran through this kind of scenario uh, for at some point in the season, you know, and, you know, just kind of as a hypothetical, not with the notion that it was going to happen the next morning. So that'll that'll be a strange episode now. Um, because that. It really throws the entire season uh, I shouldn't say the entire season. It throws the entire non-conference slate into a very strange, you know, moment now. And one of the things Matt said last night that I found intriguing was he basically is expecting something like this. He's been expecting something like this the entirety of the offseason. And he said, in effect, we may not know our schedule until, a, you know, a day out of certain games. Like there may not be a schedule in effect. So he, he mentioned some opponents last night that I don't think have, have gone public yet but you mentioned Bryant and a few others and it could end up being where they're just looking for games throughout the week because an opponent goes down and they're just going to go and try to find somebody else to play so in a weird way I think it will all play out evenly for ev everybody's going to encounter this throughout the year so I'm just disappointed but I think he helped brace me that this sort of thing was going to happen throughout the season and I think as fans, we just have to have a very, we just have to get accustomed to a very unusual mindset that if there is going to be a season, it's going to play out in very unusual ways where you might find out about a game two days before against an opponent who wasn't even on whatever schedule you had. I mean, we're, we're 10 days or we were, what, eight, nine days away from the season and we still didn't technically have a schedule when we got this news. And it's funny because earlier this morning we found out the Liberty game was happening I didn't know that yesterday when I talked to Matt either. So I just, I'm kind of just going to embrace the chaos and yeah. hope everybody stays healthy. Um, I do wonder how long we can sustain this nationally. Um, right. If, if it just keeps happening and it's, 
lastly, the last quick point I would say in sort of my hot, my immediate reaction takes are, it's very odd that there's, I mean, I don't, I, you have to get a math person to quantify this, but if there's 350 division one teams, 351, I think it is. And we've heard about 30 teams getting COVID that's still less than 10%. I'm sure that'll grow very quickly. What's weird is that all three of our Mohegan opponents, our initial Mohegan opponents, or three of four, I guess, the first three that we heard about, all three and then us have uh, are, are no longer going to be in that event. So it's weird that, you know, 100% of our first three opponents, and it's still only 10%. I mean, so, so it's very much like going to hit the whole country, but this is particularly acutely impacting UMass. And now you have to think that that now that Liberty game is off the table too. So very strange times. Um, and it sucks because it's a really good team. And I, I really was, you know, Matt got me really even more excited last night for the season. And now here we are. Well, that's, yeah, that's big news even in and of itself that McCall joins the, the podcast. If, a, if, if my kid uh, is, is uh, running around in the background. Oh no, you're good. You're good. But I'm definitely excited to hear that episode. Uh, anytime McCall comes on or even when I heard the Kalapari episode, I remember it's just such great, great time, great thing to listen to. Um, but it's kind of like you were saying there, Sage, it's, it's crazy how one that it's coincidental that, yeah, these four teams or these five teams that were going to the bubble are one or five of 30 in the entire nation so far that have paused their activities. Uh, that seems to be a coincidence. And then also, I mean, I guess for Joey or for Devin, uh, Joey, I guess we could start with you. I'm wondering too. It's like it feels like a week, almost two weeks ago, that things were really optimistic. Like we were getting closer to the season, and everybody, like obviously UMass has been doing a really good job with the negative tests. Uh, things were trending in the right direction, and it felt like college basketball was set to resume with almost without a hitch. And then all of a sudden, uh, you get all these these schools pausing activities, uh, like all the ones we've had in the past couple of days, and then you get this news today. Joey, I'm wondering, is this a shock to you? Were you like me? Were you like feeling like this was going to happen? And, and now all of a sudden all this news hits and falls on the table or how are you seeing this? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you in the sense that I felt like I was almost being lulled into thinking it was looking somewhat normal because of all the, the negative tests coming back for UMass and just all the, um, all the implications and the guidelines that UMass was following to make sure that they did stay healthy for their seasons. But of course, I mean, how you can't like I got lulled in just like everyone else did, but it's something we just can't do in this time because of how weird everything is and just how easy it really is to contract COVID. So I I mean, that's all I can really say is just how we really can't take it for granted, even though it looks everything can be going perfectly, but I don't think that can really matter in the end just because of everything that's going on. Devin, you're a freshman, so this is all no matter what would happen, it would be new to you. Um, what's, what are your reactions to the news uh, from today? Well, uh, there's always calm before the storm. And unfortunately we enjoyed that calm and we were very optimistic. We just went to media day. We just did our uh, episode a couple weeks ago uh, talking about Siena and Delaware. So we were all really excited um, for the way things were headed. And then, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, Governor Baker, you know, issuing the curfew and making things a little more strict again. It kind of brought flashbacks back to last spring. And obviously that being my senior year in high school, uh, understanding how all that went um, and how everything's kind of closed off. So it kind of takes me back to that. Um, unfortunately, now it's 
affecting college and UMass basketball, most importantly. Uh, so it's just really kind of heartbreaking, especially like uh, Sage said, how optimistic we were about this team um, and the great talent they had and Trey Mitchell being uh, preseason first team all conference. I mean, you know, we, we were really excited. They had a lot to prove. Uh, best team since the tournament team, arguably. So it really stinks. It feels like the rug was pulled out from under us a little bit. Right. UMass Basketball Show episode 10 here. Cam Cyber, Devin Dobick, Joey Alberti. We're joined by Curry Hicks Sage. Definitely check him out on Twitter. Uh, Curry, I'm wondering now as well. So obviously we get this news and things are not looking good per se. I'm wondering, you kind of mentioned it there with Bryant and some of these more local schools as opportunities maybe for UMass to get a little bit of a non-conference slate in. Uh, I'm wondering, in your from your perspective, what do you what is this this next step forward? Obviously, you're not uh, Ryan Bamford or anything like that, but I'm wondering, just from your perspective, what what maybe is the next step now? Yeah. By the way, that episode <laughs> dropped as you as you guys were interviewing me, uh, like as you were talking. Um, Bennett, the producer of the show, posted it, so it is live. Um, oh, wow, things are I unfolding will... at a rapid rate right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it feels a little bit like. In a, in a weird way, it feels a little bit like what happened in March where, uh, you know, where everything was happening very quickly and it kind of just, and it feel, I, I hate to say that, but it does feel like it's moving toward a suspension of, of operations or a succession of activities or whatever, because, you know, if this many teams are getting it and there's just not enough games to be had, like, I don't know what they're going to do. I have to think that, They've got to so so. I here's like the, the thing, and I'll be honest. Like at a certain point, COVID became too much, and I stopped. You know, I just I took the safety precautions and I stopped thinking about how it actually works. But if one person got it on the team, right, and and everybody else was tested and negative, you got to isolate everyone for. You have to isolate the, the protocol. I get is fourteen days. I get that. How long is it before you, is it, what is it, five days you have to actually isolate because it, you could still spread it? Is that, is, I'm trying to figure out the mechanics, right, of just them thinking. Right, well, that's the thing, like, I have a, a class in person on campus and we had a couple positive uh, cases and our professor was getting ready to have us come back in. Uh, and a lot of people kind of, that raised everybody's eyebrows, like, well, we don't know if we're all just testing negative, but we still have it or like how long the, the incubation period is or whatever. And obviously with the new new virus taking over the world no one knows a lot about it uh right away but that's one of the big question marks is yeah i mean it, even if i am exposed to it or maybe i've contracted it is it not showing up in tests right away and how does that all work and I obviously thought, though, there was, was a like major a five, after like five days i thought you know because it can show up it can you know you you interact with someone one day and it doesn't show up for five days roughly i thought that's what what, what the research said i honestly could be totally making that up if that's the case, you know, you wonder how long they can do the 14 day deal, because if only one person got it right and everybody else didn't, well, that means that, you know, other people throughout the season could get it. And so if it's not the kind of thing that goes through the team quickly where everybody gets it, I mean, it's you, you never root for like herd immunity or whatever. But let's just say, God willing, these are modest cases and everybody on the team is like has a healthy immune system then. In, and I hate to say this out loud, but I remember SEC football teams, there was rumors that the players all wanted to get it the same time so that they could just move forward and be done with it. 
it's kind of a strange thing because obviously it's so dangerous. But if you, in a hypothetical world, could isolate everyone, and the numbers are pretty good if you're under 20 and you're at your athlete, whatever, then it would almost be better to just have everybody get it now and then be done with it. Now, I don't, I don't mean to suggest like, I'm, again, I, I'm just, it's a pure no, hypothetical. I hear you. It's going to happen is it, yeah. if, if one guy gets it now and he then successfully isolates and the whole team is isolated and not practicing or whatever for 14 days and they come back and a week later, another guy gets it. Now you're shutting it down again for two. So that protocol makes it functionally impossible to sustain a season if if this happens even so much as one more time or let's say two more times you could probably withstand you know a a pair of two you maybe two or three this is preseason so we'll say two more two week breaks you know throughout the course of the year um but once it gets beyond that it's like you can't just shut down every other week until everybody gets it because you know at that point the season is six months long, eight months long, nine, you know, so right. I really, I have no idea what they're going to do. Um, you know, is it, is it a wait for a vaccine kind of thing and hope that universities are, are among the first to get it? I, you know, it's, it's, it's just not a good situation. And, and I, I do think they're going to keep playing though, because the NCAA, basically the entirety of their revenue comes from the NCAA tournament, the TV rights on the NCAA tournament. And that's, you know, if they don't do that two years in a row, the NCA, from my understanding, could basically cease to exist in any recognizable form. So I have to think they're going to find some way to do this. But the testing protocols are uneven across the sport. There's not uniformity on this stuff. There's, you know, it's just like it's it's not a good and the bubbles aren't true bubbles, obviously. So, you know, you almost wish they got to Mohegan Sun where there was a, was totally was a little bit more confined and and not on campus because clearly the on-campus bubble, you know, they went like 28 tests in a row. Matt mentioned last night they had tested like 27 times, 28 times, and no one had had a positive test for that entire period. It's obvious that the viruses, the numbers are going up everywhere. And so it's only a matter of time before that keeps happening. But if it if it hits throughout the season and the whole team has to be on, on the back burner for two weeks at a time, you, you literally, at a certain point, you just can't have a season. So... I think the NCA or, or somebody has to, um, you know, disseminate some kind of clear cut guidelines that maybe clarify this, this two week thing. Um, and if they don't, I, I don't see how you can have a season. Right. I mean, it's just, there's so much uncertainty obviously with it. I mean, you can look at what the NBA did and sure that worked. They did the bubble thing, the NCAA and all these schools, there's just no way for them to do something like that. Um, it's just, it's it's absolutely you're it's it's really going to be interesting to see what happens because like you like you're saying it's just like who know how, how is anyone supposed to know what to do uh in this situation it's so unprecedented uh and they just there's just no way really that they, it doesn't seem like there's a way for things to work sure we were on that a10 call with bernadette mcglade and we hear from her that they're allotting time uh towards the end of the season to to reschedule games if that becomes the, the case or but like, like you said, I mean, one person gets it, the team quarantines for two weeks. Okay, good. Now we're going to get back to action. And then one other, another person gets it. Now what? It's just this whole big uh, system that seems to really be coming uncapped uh, as the cases around the country, like you said, to continue to spike. And I know you said you, you might have to run here. So I know you're a busy man. Yeah, I'll, do, do, like, I'll do like five more minutes. Okay, cool. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, and Joey and Devin, if you have anything you wanted to share here, definitely feel free to jump in. We also get the news, I think it came a few days ago, maybe even last week, that the NCAA as a whole is moving the March Madness tournament uh, to a bubble format almost to have it in one location. And again, you just, I mean, you can't completely bubble up, I get, at least from my understanding. The NBA is obviously able to do that. They just closed down the entire Disney. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how the NCAA, how this is going to work. And if, did you have an opinion on that, uh, Sage, that you, that you wanted to share? Or? That, that I'm a proponent of. And that's a, that's a no brainer. I mean, it's not, it's one city, so it's not like one gym, you know, and I'm sure, and it's in Indy where so much of the NCAA, where they're headquartered and their personnel are. And, you know, you can get Butler and IUPUI and the Pacers arena. And I'm sure, you know, RCA dome, if you have to, they're not going to be fans, I presume. So there's plenty of ways to, to do that. And, um, that was a great, I mean, not a great decision. It was just an obviously good decision made sense because, you know, once teams are out, they can get them out of there and, it, and, you know, they can coordinate airfare for 68 teams, some of which, you know, are going to take buses anyway. It's centrally located. That all made sense. The point, the problem is like, how do you get there with teams having played a meaningful number of games so that you can even select the 68 and at this point it's it almost seems like do you just go and say let's push it to may let's push the start of the season to january but then you do that and it's like if the if the if, if the uh covid is still here like what is what does two months do you know i mean you either because right. the thing is this is so much beyond college basketball i mean it's they controlled it in Taiwan in most of Asia, right? Like they were they're having like EDM concerts with twenty thousand kids partying in, in Ta- Taiwan. Oh, hold on, buddy. I'll be with you in one second. I'm on the phone. Um sorry. And the thing is this is such a bigger structural problem because it's national thing. Like unless the kids are completely in a bubble, which is you know, effectively impossible. You know, a postal postal worker could come, you take a package, he sneezes. All, you know, so it's it's basically right. impossible with the resources you would need for all 350 schools, you know, is just prohibitively expensive. It's not the NBA. You can't go to Disney, whatever. So if the country doesn't do a complete shutdown and provide everyone with stimulus or you know financial incentives to basically shut down the country for two weeks, then it's still going to just percolate until the vaccine has been disseminated across the country. So there's it's almost like what are we doing here? I either we're going to play and we're going to, we, so the, so to me, if you're going to play, if you're going to commit to that, given the what's going on in the country, you have to figure out that protocol situation because the, it can't be 14 days. Unless, if that's medically necessary, I get it. But if it's not, if it's five days that, you know, if everybody gets tested and they're all clear and they get tested again, four days later, and they're all clear and it hasn't been spread by that individual and he's quarantined, you got to keep playing. So to me, like the NCAA, it's one or the other. I'm not saying you should, but I'm saying if you're going to commit to a season, the 14 day thing just ruins the, the possibility of even a remotely functional season, you know, like, at, you know, or at least, you know, so at least isolate, isolate that kid for two weeks or whatever and, and keep playing because you, you know, and lose individuals. But if it's a whole team mandate, like I, I just don't un- know how that's, how that's viable for for a whole season until a vaccine is here. Like I, I really have no idea how they do that. Right. Yeah. Maybe just taking a look at some of these protocols. And like you said, if it is manageable to shrink it down a little bit, because right to just shut down the entire team doesn't make a lot of sense, but about 20 minutes in here, Sage wanted to 
go ahead and, and thank you again for coming on here and, and sharing your reaction. As soon as I see some of this news, there's nobody I think of first besides you to, to get on the show and, and to hear what they what they think about it. So appreciate you coming on. We're getting up to I a break here. But... Check out the uh, check out the episode and yeah. hopefully next time we can actually talk about basketball because uh javon garcia man i'm really excited that's my that remains <laughs> i mean we know about trey but javon garcia man the way matt talked about him last night confirmed everything i've been trying to hype and if that kid is a bust i'm gonna feel like a real idiot because uh i think he's gonna be fantastic yeah absolutely look out for the podcast the umass basketball podcast matt mccall on the latest episode you're not going to want to miss that one from curry x age but again thanks for coming on we're going to take a quick break here when we return devin and Joey and I will continue the conversation here. But again, thanks, Sage, for coming on, and we'll be right back. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. For more than 25 years, residents in the five college area have been getting food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Almost every local spot in downtown Amherst is available to eat without having to leave your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at deliveryexpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077. Welcome back to episode 10 of the Men's Basketball Show here on WMUA Sports. You might be hearing this on 91.1 FM if that's the case. Check us out on Spotify for our previous episodes. Look up WMUA Sports on Spotify. You should be able to find us. Cam Seibert, Devin Dobick, and Joey Alberti. We were just joined by Curry Hicks Sage there in the first half. And we're breaking down all this news surrounding college basketball as a whole, as well as UMass basketball, specifically uh, involving the coronavirus. But before I do that, I want to remind you that today's show is as well presented by Delivery Express. Delivery Express has been serving the five college areas since 1990, well before the three of us were born. Customers can order from 85-plus restaurant locations located throughout the Pioneer Valley, uh, and they also have offices in Northampton and Springfield. More information is available at DeliveryExpress.com, or you can call 413-549-0077. And as we talk about COVID, I think it correlates pretty well uh, to have your food delivered right to your door rather than going out and risking the transaction of the virus. Not that's the last thing anybody wants. Uh, but that's kind of what we're talking about here on episode 10 of the men's basketball show. I realized at the beginning there, I didn't get much of a chance to see how you guys were doing. So let's check in real quick with Devin and Joey. Joey, I think you're in your basement. Devin, do you also record from the basement? I do. I do. So yeah. What's on right now in the basement over there in East Longmeadow? You know, it's a little cold in the basement. I, I haven't turned the heat up. Um, it's so it's like hovering low fifties, low to mid fifties, probably wow. not, probably doesn't actually feel that cold, but that's what it says on the thermostat. Yeah. My old Amherst house here that I live in, I don't really think is insulated in a lot of the windows, so it can get pretty nippy in here, but it's not, it's not in the fifties. 
Yeah, I don't know if it's actually feels that cold, but that's what it reads. Um, what else has been going on? Nothing much, really. Big Patriots win. That was huge. Um, but other than that, just trying to get last week of school, so getting all that done. My last first semester, my last fall semester yeah. of my college career, your first fall semester of your college career coming <laughs> to an end. That's a pretty interesting paradox there. But Joey Alberti also joins us, our collegian WMUA correspondent, analyst, writer, talker. Joey, what's up with you, man? Uh, nothing much. Just uh, living in this high-class basement, as you as you previously pointed out, trying to make the most of it. Just trying to pass these classes, you know, make sure I I'm getting by, to say the least. You know, it's been a it's been a weird semester, so. Uh, you know, doing that, getting into the uh, NBA trades and soon to be draft as in tomorrow, which will be mm. really interesting. Drew Holiday getting traded, big stuff right there. So, uh, you know, I've been keeping busy. Yeah, and maybe we can even get into that in a little bit. I think I saw a tweet today that I definitely agree with. I feel like I almost feel like the NBA offseason is more fun than the season itself. <laughs> um, with all the trade rumors and stuff that's getting ready to take place. You already saw the stuff that, like you mentioned, happening with the Bucks. But this is the UMass Basketball Show, so we'll continue with our updates surrounding the Minutemen. Of course, today, news released that they will be pausing activities because of a positive test for coronavirus within their faculty. Uh, it's not stated whether it's a player or a coach or whatever. It's just Tier 1 personnel, which you assume is close enough to the team that they have to obviously shut things down. This is now the fourth team, I believe, that was scheduled to play at Bubbleville and Mohegan Sun in the coming week uh, that have now paused activities. So obviously the, the, the lid's starting to come off this thing here for, for Division One sports as they get ready to enter the new year. Uh, COVID cases obviously spiking all throughout the country, and that doesn't help uh, the college landscape one bit. We just spoke with Curry Hicks Sage there on the latter half, obviously an aficionado of college basketball and specifically the Atlantic 10 in, in UMass basketball. He shared some of his takes and also told us that he has a podcast coming out with Coach McCall. Uh, actually, I think is up by the time you're hearing this episode. So definitely check that out if you're looking for some more insight. But I think what was interesting about what Sage had to say is is how difficult, obviously, it's going to be uh, for, all these, for all these schools or for just the entire NCAA in general to have a season here. I mean, if you just look at what happens once a positive case is found, uh, obviously pausing the activities of the entire program for up to two weeks, uh, I believe is the time limit. And it, it just gets me thinking about something he said. I, I It almost feels like with how close together a lot of these games are, you look at the conference schedules for UMass games within three and four days of each other, pretty much up and down the board. Uh, it feels like the only way things could really work out uh, in these scenarios is for this 14 day period to be shrunken down a little bit and even then it would still be a major problem obviously we're not i'm i'm not a physician and i don't know much about the the virus on the medical side um and so maybe the 14 day incubation period is necessary but i mean we just don't know when this virus shows up in your system whether you can be testing negative for it and still have it uh or and yeah so i think if there was a way to shrink down 14 days to like five days or something like that, like we kind of talked about on the first half, maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. I think so much of what I'm talking about is just stuff that I don't really have a lot of knowledge in. And maybe that's not uh, the right thing to say when you're listening to me, hopefully uh, receiving insight from us. But I mean, obviously, like I said, we're not doctors. 
So this is a pretty tough topic for us, but I, I'd love to hear from you guys and what you think. I mean, are there any suggestions you could make towards making this season a possibility? I mean, or just give me your, your reactions to what's the news surrounding today or just, just really anything and what you're thinking about this whole situation in general. Uh, Devin, if, if you're ready, we'll, we'll go to you first here. It's just tough because the difference is like the NBA did a great job, um, you know, with their bubble in Orlando because, you know, there's a lot less NBA teams than there are Division One college basketball teams. And plus, uh, the college basketball players still have school. Um, so it's a lot more difficult to kind of do a whole thing with them. Obviously, they're trying to do it with March Madness, but even that would be double the size of the NBA um, as far as, you know, having everyone living in a hotel or whatever the case may be. Um, we're in a tough spot. Um, trying to stay optimistic, but it's tough uh, with the news with UMass taking a break. Um, I will definitely be interested to see how it plays out. Um, but I, I think there will be sports. Um, I don't know if we're going to get a vaccine or anything. I don't. I really strongly doubt we'll get one throughout the course of the winter. Maybe next year, they're saying, but they are getting good results on, on vaccines that they've tested. Um, so only time will tell. Yeah, and to kind of go on top of that, and kind of what um, Curry was saying, just about the idea of um, SEC college football players kind of grouping up and saying, why wouldn't we all just get the um, – why wouldn't we all just get COVID at once so we don't have to deal with it throughout the season? That's such an absurd idea, but when you think about, like, the craziness of it and, like, what it could actually do, like, that – like, you can't actually – just tell a team or tell a group of people like, Hey, get COVID and you'll be fine for the rest of the year. You can't do that. But like, I just don't know how they're going to make sure everyone doesn't get COVID because so many teams have already gotten it um, so early on before the season's even started for anyone. And it's just, I don't know. Like when is, how many 14 day quarantines can you have until your season's just completely ruined? Um, right. I think that's going to be something that the NCAA has to really decide. And, you know, Bernadette McGlade, the A-10 commissioner, coming out and saying we're having a two-week period between the regular season and the conference championships for the A-10 is obviously a really good thing because if you have, say, a quarantine, then you can make up like four or five games um, or whatever it may be. But if you have, say, like six weeks off because you have three different quarantines, then that I don't think you're going to be able to come back from that. Right. It's just it's so much of it too is just like circumstance and timing obviously like i mentioned the country as a whole the, i don't maybe the world as a whole uh just spiking right now with cases and you mentioned bernadette mcglade and what we heard from her at uh, media day the, the commissioner of the atlantic 10 she mentioned that a bubble was not in the cards for the atlantic 10 just based on resources and all this different stuff a location so much logistics that goes into it and I, I see where she's coming from there. Obviously, that would be really hard. But I, I almost, even when just hearing you guys talk and Devin hearing you talk about the NBA bubble, feel like an, a conference bubble wouldn't be uh, the most abstract idea. Like, I, I almost feel like that, if anything, would be maybe the most possible and, if anything, maybe the safest route. But obviously, like I say, you have to make sure you have the right location, you have the resources, you can test, you can do all these different things, you have the facilities to play and to practice. Um, but I don't know if you guys had an opinion on that. I mean, could you see a bubble working or, or is it just, there's just too much that would have to go into that? Um, I think 
that would definitely be the way to go if, um, you know, worse comes to worse. I think having a conference bubble will be extremely helpful because, you know, there could still be basketball and relatively competitive because when you think about conference to conference, the teams are, for the most part, in the same sort of, you know, level of play. I mean, obviously there's good teams and, and bad teams, but relatively, you know, you're not going to have, like, a power uh, – or yeah, you know what I mean. You're not gonna have some school absolutely destroying a a little school. Um, I I think it's I don't want to like you know get ahead of ourselves, jump the gun here, but um yeah, it would be a good idea. But realistically, do I think it'll happen? Unfortunately, no, because there's just way too much margin for error. Um, because there would be so many bubbles, so many different bubbles, and it would be hard to manage. I mean, obviously the com- Commissioner of the A-10, um, as she said, and as you said, uh, reiterating her, it wasn't in the cards, and I, I think they kind of thought that through um, as they made that decision. So, yeah. Right. I'm sure they thought about it at some point and uh, looked at it. Joey, did you have an opinion on that? No, I mean, I, I agree. If I'm, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be the best decision makers. Obviously, we right. can have our ideas, but... I think the committee looks at it top to bottom and everything that has right. to uh, go into it. And if they don't think it was even like close of a possibility, like it seems like from what Bernadette said, they very lightly just thought like, Hey, a bubble. And then someone was just like, no, we can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And you're just like, Oh, all right. All right. So let's go to the next idea. Right. Uh, well, men's basketball show episode 10. Appreciate those tuning in to listen. The other news that kind of came out today surrounding UMass basketball, Preston Santos, uh, sophomore forward going into this year was has reportedly taken a leave um, for personal reasons. So, as much as we could probably talk about that, um, I don't. I don't think we really want to, hi- or yeah, hypothesize too much about that or, or get too hypothetical with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because we don't know really what that that means. I will say, last year there was a situation where Cy Chapman, a player on UMass, last year. Uh, had a similar situation where he took a personal leave. Uh, it was never really said what it was for. I don't believe in the end. I don't think it ever exactly came out as specifically the, what the reason was. Uh, obviously, he then transferred out, so maybe you could draw conclusions there. Santos, obviously, a lot of guys coming in at forward this year in the same position as him. So, you, I mean, again, I don't want to hypothesize or create stories or rumors too much, but you just you know, you never know exactly what's going on with him. We definitely wish him the best. Uh, for whatever he's dealing with, and, and hopefully it, it doesn't have to do with COVID and anything like that. But I, I think it's it's worth sharing that that news did come out today as well. Um, but we're getting towards the end of the show here today. And again, I think as much as we can talk about these situations, are we maybe the, not the most fit? Probably that's the case. We're not doctors. We don't know how COVID works. I don't even think a lot of doctors know how COVID works. Uh, so much of this is just playing it by ear and, and taking it day by day. Obviously, we hear as well that the the non-conference schedule is expected to maybe be released here soon from UMass. I think a lot of those games are just being decided so last minute that it's hard for them to put out a set schedule. And obviously, with something like this happening, it just throws everything for a loop. Uh, it's a really difficult situation, but I think hopefully uh, you got the reaction from Curry Hicks there at the beginning and from us a little bit, and maybe that helps you uh, with some insight on what's going on. But I think for the last couple minutes here, was there any NBA trade rumors that we wanted to get get to? Uh, obviously, the stuff surrounding the Bucks and the Celtics with Drew Holiday, and, and the Celtics were maybe getting ready to put some picks together to shell out to get Drew Holiday and Kemba Walker. 
is being talked about maybe being a piece and Gordon Hayward being upset with his role on the team. Uh, obviously, we're in Massachusetts, so I figured we'd talk about the Celtics here first. What are we thinking about the offseason for the Celtics uh, right now? Um, well, Gordon Hayward, I uh, just got an update uh, about five, ten minutes ago that they're going to extend his deadline to Thursday for if he decides yeah, to opt in or not. Um, so he's going to have a few more days to decide that. And if I'm Gordon Hayward, um, no disrespect to him at all, but he hasn't been the same player uh, that received a $35 million contract. So I think it would be best for him to opt in, um, speaking from his standpoint, because he may not get that much um, money um, somewhere else. Um, So from his standpoint, I I definitely think he'll end up opting in unless he really is uh, worried about basketball. Um, But then, yeah. So I think that's how that's going to go with Gordon. Drew Holiday, that was crazy. But Chris Paul, I thought, uh, the Thunder kind of, they got a lot in return for Chris Paul. But the Suns, I, I think, I don't think it was worth it because Chris Paul's, you know, he's kind of peaked a little bit. Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to make a run yet. Um, you can add Chris Paul, but then you still got the Lakers um, and all those. I mean, the Rockets won't be as good, but the Clippers are still there too. But Harden going to the Nets is pretty, uh, or pretty hot rumor going around, but. I don't want to get into all the news, so I'll let Joey take it from here. Yeah. Well, real quick, too, on Chris Paul. I mean, how many teams can he just, like, revive and just bring back to life here before he finally gets some uh, help? It's just ridiculous. I mean, obviously, he was with the Rockets there and everything like that. But like you said, I don't want to go too much. But, Joey, what are you looking at right now? I think you mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks a little earlier in this little big three. I mean, I saw it labeled as a big three. Is it really a big three? No, is Drew Holiday now no, worthy no. of superstar status? That is just getting a little bit... Uh, insane i'm sure Stephen a would say that's blasphemous uh on the, the on first take but joe we'll give you the air here what do you what are you looking at right now for some of these nba rumors yeah so starting with the the drew holiday trade where they traded three first round picks and two pick swaps which is just insane and then shams goes on twitter and calls drew holiday a superstar it's just like oh my gosh when did drew holiday turn into a superstar he had one good playoff um one one good playoff run and all of a sudden this guy's a superstar. Um, I guess I like I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a great two way player, averages twenty points per game. But superstar is a, a hefty title to put on a guy such as Drew Holiday, who's never really carried a team. May I say? Um, I think that's fair to say. Very. Also, I just want to add in really quick. Very smart of the Bucks not to trade their 2022 or 2023 first round pick um, because they know that those have much more implications due to the fact of uh, prep to pro being much more of a possibility in those years. So I think that's good on them for not having to trade those two picks. But uh, yeah, I, I think the Bucks got fleeced on that, I would say. I don't know if Giannis is like, all right, I'm staying. Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich are here now, so I'm here for the rest of my life. I just don't think Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich are the selling point to that. They're <laughs> yeah. going to need someone that's actually high class. I could totally agree with you. I don't see Drew Holiday as a superstar, and I think Chris Middleton is even borderline. I don't really think he's a superstar. No, I yeah, he, I agree. If anything, maybe star and shows up at the right times occasionally. Sure, Giannis is a super superstar. That's fair. Uh, but the other guys, I'm not sure. Uh, but great to hear some of those those rumors that really the offseason in the NBA is, is the best, I think, in any sport, just with all the stuff that goes on and all the power I think players have nowadays, especially to kind of control their own fate. 
Uh, so we'll definitely keep our eyes peeled for that stuff coming out. But I think this is going to pretty much wrap up the show today. I want to thank Devin and Joey, uh, you guys, for coming on and talking as always. Um, I think if you're a, a follower of UMass sports and UMass basketball, you should keep your eyes peeled as well for more news coming out here. And I guess on the entire college landscape in general uh, surrounding COVID and everything that's going on now, it's so much uncertainty in the air as the lid starts to kind of come off this thing just before uh, the season was getting ready to get underway. But again, thanks to our, our guest at the beginning of the show as well, Curry Hicks Sage, go check out his podcast with coach McCall. That should be out now. Definitely won't want to miss that. But that's pretty much going to do it here for UMass Basketball Show, Episode 10. Continue to tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on 91.1 FM or check out the show on Spotify and head on down to Hot Table Panini or maybe order some food with Delivery Express because uh, we definitely appreciate their support of the things we're doing here. So that's going to do it for today's episode, though. Hope everybody out there is staying safe and staying healthy. Uh, and hopefully maybe we can get some some college sports uh, safely uh, in the new year or whatever it may be. But getting ready to have Thanksgiving here, so we'll look forward to that. Hope everybody's staying safe, staying healthy. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll catch you on the next one.